We often think of the, the biblical Christmas story as almost this immediate response from God where the world needed a savior, so God sent Jesus and he died on the cross and the end. It's just kind of a quick and easy solution to everything, but sometimes we forget the slower reality of what Advent and the Nativity was all about. The birth of Jesus was not met with a lot of fanfare. There wasn't a lot of people who knew that it happened uh, other than maybe the handful of people who were there that we read about in the scriptures. It didn't really make a blip into anything. And you think about that, the most significant event to happen in all of history up until that moment had just occurred. And if you had asked almost anyone walking around, like, hey, what about today? They would have been like, yeah, it was a Tuesday. Like, they just didn't know. No one knew. It just kind of happened. This wasn't a big royal birth when you think of, like, when William and Kate finally had George and the world was waiting and watching and, and the paparazzi was gathered around the front of that hospital waiting for the day they would walk out and everyone would finally see the baby and what does he look like and what color hair does he have and everyone was going to get all the pictures. They wanted to know what dress she was wearing to go home in with this child and Twitter exploded and all this crazy stuff happened for what for George. But when Jesus was born, it was just the quietest, most unspectacular moment. There wasn't a crowd. There's probably more animals than people. No press releases, no pictures. It's kind of a quiet event. And then for years, nothing happens. Right? It's not like Jesus shows up and instantly does what he came to do. Decades go by. And you think about how weird that would have been for God, the God of creation in human form, walking around his creation, walking around the dirt he made, looking up at the trees he created. I don't know what it's like to be both fully God and fully man on most days anyway, but I can imagine. The loudest laugh from my wife, that's great. But I can't imagine how like hard or weird that would have You picture some kid shoving seven-year-old Jesus on the playground and like Jesus just being like, I made you. Look out. But he doesn't do that as far as we know. He doesn't draw any attention to himself. It's not a big deal. It just, it just kind of happens. Until one day, this crazy man kind of steps out of the woods wearing camel robes and he starts yelling that a savior was here. And he starts saying things like, get ready and prepare yourselves and make way because someone is here that's gonna change everything forever. This is what we learn in Luke 3, verse 4, about John the Baptist. Said Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that you're here with us today. We're grateful for Christmas and ultimately what it really means. And I'm grateful for everyone who showed up in this place tonight and that you brought them here. And I just pray that you'd speak to us all now, Holy Spirit. We just pray that we'd hear from you, uh, that you would work in a way that only you can, in a way that only you do. And so we just pray that you would move, that you would speak, uh, and that you would draw yourself to us today. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Amen. All right, well, how we doing? You guys, you made it to church. Woo! It's good. Well, there's a lot of you here, more than I thought we're going to be here tonight, and so good on you, and uh, glad to see you here. Unfortunately, those lines will also be relevant tomorrow morning for our South Campus. You braved the roads. It's good. Um, and so South Campus, again, we love you. Glad that you are in church today. Um, someone buy me a ticket to Star Wars on your way out, and I will be grateful to you after church. Um, I'm glad you're here because this is actually, this will be the last time that we gather together here for church like this until New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, one of those two uh, days. Uh, And so, final reminder for C4, get these invites, get them into the hands of family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, whatever you can do, uh, and pray, 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 pray for this event uh, that God would use this in, a, in an awesome way for his kingdom. Uh, and then a reminder to not show up next week here on Saturday or Sunday, uh, but you can go to church uh, on our website and the links will all be up and provided and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, before we really get going today, we have a couple pieces of news that we want to share with you guys. Uh, good news, I should clarify. Whenever you hear the word news, everyone assumes the worst. I have news for you. Everyone's like, oh no. No, no, this is good news. Uh, Both of them are fairly significant uh, for the life of our church and our future, so it's kind of exciting. First, uh, we already said hi to South Campus, uh, but we want to talk about South Campus just for a minute. We launched this and said, let's do a nine-week trial run, and let's just see how this goes. Let's let's see if we can pull this off. Uh, It's week nine, so it's kind of time to make a decision about South Campus. And, and so what we were looking for, uh, really, for these nine weeks was, do we have enough people to pull this off? Do we have enough people to actually have two locations going at the same time? Uh, people that will unload a trailer at 7 a.m. and set it all up and then pack it all back up again under a time constraint? Uh, do we have enough people in the band that we can split off and have two bands playing every single weekend? Do we have enough kids ministry workers? Um, we also wanted... Uh, to shift some people from here to there to create space here because uh, we're pretty much maxed out for space and and we needed some people to move around a little bit. And then there was the financial kind of side of things. Uh, Could we raise enough money to start this thing and pull it off? Do we have enough money to kind of financially, is is it viable for us to move ahead long-term? So all of those things came into play. These are all things that we've been watching for and looking for and needing to see kind of happen um, before we felt ready to make a decision about this. Uh, And we've talked about South already quite a bit. that it's gone so well. We, we get over 100 people there every single weekend, which is crazy. Uh, we've had people get saved over at South Campus. New families show up and just call this place home. Uh, we've had cross pointers uh, tell me, like, you'll never see me at the north again because this is my home, which I take as a compliment, I think. I'm not sure how they mean that. Um, and, and then we raised our money uh, big time. And in fact, just as kind of an interesting side note, we came before the church and said, um, let, let's raise about 35000 so that we can buy our own gear and invest in this. Um, that wasn't going to be all we needed, but it was going to be enough of a head start for us to say, yeah, we, we could pull this off. We actually ended up raising $55,500, which is crazy. Um, and... 
the fun part about that is as of this week, we spent about $55,200. So we are like on budget down to the dollar. Fantastic. All that to say uh, that we are super excited this weekend to announce that we are going to remove the word trial and move forward with the South Campus. So South Campus, you are an ongoing part of life at Cross Point Church. Uh, and we are, man, we're excited about that. That's a big deal for us. That's a big move for us to take. We're obviously still going to need a lot of people to pull this off on an ongoing basis. We're still going to need people uh, to give to this and to show up and help with this. But God has been so faithful in so many ways already uh, that it, to stop it now would be to undo so many good things. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, we also hired John Sherwood to be our campus pastor. And so he has been our part-time kids, kids pastor, part-time youth pastor. Uh, and then when we launched the trial, we bumped up his hours a bit and said, will you kind of oversee this campus for us? And he's done a fantastic job. He's done an excellent job. And so he's now full-time at Crosspoint, both doing youth and now overseeing uh, the campus. And so that's awesome. Still has lots of help from Brandon and Emily Ingram, who are also doing fantastic over there. And so we are excited. We're excited. That's crazy stuff. Uh, there, there are not a lot of multi-site churches in the Maritimes. Um, and so it's kind of a crazy thing to do. I don't know if there are any in Fredericton. We might be the only one right now. And so it, it's a bit crazy, and it's kind of a unique op opportunity for us uh, to advance God's kingdom in a new way, and we're excited. Hooray? Hooray. Hooray. I need a drink of water. Um, all right, the next one, which I know at this point we're like halfway into the sermon, which is, it's all right. I get, I get nailed with the flu at the end of this week, and uh, it's usually when I write my sermon, so all these announcements are actually just a really good excuse. So I'm going to make them like 22 minutes long. <laughs> Seven-minute sermon, everyone go home, great. Um, all right, this one is, this is crazy town right here. Um, <laughs> a generous gift of $271,000 has been given to Cross Point Church. This is the entirety of the debt that we owed on Cliff Street, and that's what it was given to cover. So, that means that we are going to enter into 2017 completely and entirely debt-free. That is crazy. It's crazy. Um, I'm a wee bit overwhelmed at this one. Like, this isn't real life. Right? This doesn't happen all the time. Um, I'm not a mute, which is good. If you were here last week, I didn't lose my voice this week. I got the flu, but I didn't lose my voice. Um, but man, oh man, I am praising God for blessings and miracles and provision. Um, and also praising Him for a family in our church who was sensitive to God's leading in this and their faithfulness to act on this. I don't know who they are. So thanks. Um, no one tells you in real life, like, how to thank someone for a gift over a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know what words to use, um, but God is good, and we are grateful. 
there's a lot of things to be said here. Um, one of them, we just sold the parsonage across the way there um, for 150000 and we were going to put that onto debt. Well, we don't need to anymore. So we have $150,000. Um, fun! Uh, so that is going to right now get shifted over into an account or it will just kind of quietly collect money for us as we navigate our next steps into the future uh, as to what this means for us now and where we go from here. Uh, we, we were trying to figure out the last time the church was debt-free. And no one I've chatted with knows. Maybe one of you would know out there. Um, I found board meeting notes from 20 years ago. We still had debt then. So, yeah, yep. Uh, someone on the board did the math, and at our current rate of monthly debt repayment, we would have been 20 more years paying off debt, and it's gone like that. And so what that does for us, um, that that basically frees up a few thousand dollars every month so that we can just keep doing ministry, so that we can hire people and keep growing and keep doing what we need to do. It's just, that's crazy. God just keeps doing it. He just keeps showing up. And every time I think, that was big, you won't do that again, he like doubles it. <laughs> anyway, God's setting something up. And uh, it's a faster timeline than I thought. And God is good. Let's close in prayer and go home. Amen. Hey, wait. Um, I'm going to try and stand for a bit. All right. Uh, well, God is good, so let's talk about him some more, shall we? Uh, we are in week four of our Advent series, and we have been talking uh, about kind of what it was like for everyone to live on earth before Jesus, right? So they were waiting, they were expecting, they were hoping, um, and, and those were what we talked about the first three weeks. We are not the only people on the planet walking through this series on Advent. There, there are millions of Christians walking through an Advent series right now, and uh, today we're going to talk about the fourth and final kind of topic before Jesus shows up, and that is preparing, and so waiting, hoping, expecting, and preparing, these are all things that you do before an event happens. They're all things that you do leading up to something, leading up to the actual event. None of them make sense to do after the fact. Like, you can't hope for something after it already happened. Right? If you watched the Leafs game this week, you stayed up and they lost. You can't wake up the next morning and watch SportsCenter and hope they won. Right? Like, I'm going to watch the highlights, maybe they pulled it off. Like, you're going to watch the highlights all morning. It's not going to change anything. Hope is something you do until it happens. Right? All of these things precede an event. And so there is this really distinct before and after that happens with Advent. Whereas the whole things that kind of lead up to it, and that's what we're kind of walking through right now. This is what it was like for those people before the birth of Christ. And then we celebrate after it happens. But what we know now, of course, is that the birth of Jesus was not the end of the story, like a lot of people had assumed, but it was really the beginning of the story. And what we find ourselves in now is a second Advent season, where Jesus came once, but he's coming back again. And so now we all get to wait and expect and hope and prepare again. It's like we live in Advent 2.0. 
We, we get to do this all over again. So what that means is that we are still Advent people. We are still year-round Advent people, kind of walking through uh, what it means to, to be here before Jesus actually comes back again. And part of what that means is that we prepare. And so we look at John the Baptist, and, and we, we learn from Scripture that him and Jesus were born at a similar time, similar circumstances, similar part of the world. Uh, we actually talked about his birth announcement last week when an angel came and said, you're going to give birth to a son, his name's going to be John, and he's kind of going to be the, the forerunner to Jesus. He's going to announce and, and kind of get people ready for Jesus. And, and that is literally the words that he uses, is prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Everyone, get ready, because something's about to happen. So we understand the word prepare, right? That's just a life thing. We all know what it's like to prepare for something big. We all know that you have to prepare before a significant event. A lot of you are in exam time. You want to feel prepared before you go write exams, right? Doesn't mean you all do. It just means you want to feel prepared. And so you study. Uh, You prepare before you run a marathon. No one rolls out of bed and they're like, I think I'll do the marathon today. You will die. No, you got to prepare for a marathon and eat well and run a little bit and a little bit more and like if you get married, you think of the wedding preparations and all the chaos that goes into that and, and the dresses and the tuxes and the food and the decorations and all the other things I heard happened but I wasn't a part of. <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of preparations that go into a wedding. Uh, if you're having a baby, good grief, right? Like it's, I believe fully that God made pregnancy nine months because he knew we would need that much time to like wrap our heads around this and brace ourselves and, and get the room ready and get the crib and build the furniture and buy the stuff. Um, when you just think, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but just think, like, imagine if birth came the day after conception. Right? Like, you got 24 hours. Go, go. And just be like, I don't know what to do right now. Like, it's crazy. God's like, no, I'll give you a few months. You need some time to prepare for that, right? And, and the mere thought of something big happening that we aren't prepared for throws us into like panic mode, doesn't it? If all of a sudden you find out something big is happening and you didn't have time to get ready, we just freak. If you saw cars drive into your driveway and people get out, you get a text, we're coming in for a visit, some of you would be like, no, nope, no, you're not. Right, you'd go to the door and make up a story. Like, no, my kitchen's on fire. I'm sorry, you'll have to come back another night. You want to be prepared. We don't like to be surprised by a significant event before we've had time to get ready for it. So God understands preparation. He understands that oftentimes the work that comes before an event is just as important as the event. Because if you weren't ready for the event, then it's going to be a disaster. So preparation is key, and so God is always preparing his people for what comes next. He's always in the work of preparing us, which is why John the Baptist is in the story at all. That, that's his sole role. That, that is why he's there, is to show up and tell people, get ready Get prepared because someone is going to come and something is going to happen. It is going to be crazy. And it's after he baptizes Jesus that we get this voice from heaven that says, this is my son. And all of a sudden it's go time and Jesus is doing ministry. But now people are watching. 
Now people are waiting. They've heard about this guy. Now they're seeing him baptize this guy. And so everyone's ready. Everyone's kind of prepared. Like, is this the time? Is this the guy? John was there to prepare them. And God is always doing that for his people. In fact, God was preparing his people for the birth of Christ from the very beginning. Christmas was always part of God's plan. Christmas was not an emergency backup plan. Christmas was not because God's original plan, he was shocked that it, that it went wrong. God's not surprised. And so he's always been planning this. Christmas has always been part of the design. And so a lot of the world was surprised. Mary was pretty surprised. Some of her family were probably pretty shocked, but not God. In fact, you could argue that almost the entirety of the Old Testament is really just God preparing his people for what was next. It was God's preparation. In fact, Jesus is prophesied about way back in the Garden of Eden. This is Genesis 3, verse 15. This is God speaking to the devil. And he says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, I know right off the bat that doesn't sound super obvious. But God basically tells Satan that that the offspring of this woman, eventually we're going to get all the way down the genealogies to when this person is going to be born, and that person will be the man that crushes you and defeats you. You'll get a shot in. You know, you'll strike out and and you'll do a little bit of damage, or you think you will, and that was the cross where Jesus was dead for three days. But when that's all said and done, that man's heel will crush your head. So there in Genesis chapter 3, Eden, we get a little bit of glimpse that God's got a plan, that he's always ready, that he's always working, that he's always moving on behalf of his people. He's always got a plan. Now, you might argue that if God knew that that sin was going to enter the world, why not just bring Jesus in at Eden? Ever think about that? Like, if you knew that this was going to happen, why not right then and there, all right, I got a kid coming in, hold on a sec, there he is, I win. Like, he he could have got it done right there in Eden, but he doesn't. He kind of lets things progress for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You ever wonder why? I, I think maybe to some degree it's because we weren't ready. See, God had to prepare us for what that meant. God had to prepare us for for the the significance of what Jesus did for us. Uh, You kind of think about it like this. You're driving along one day. um, you, You got the music blasting. It's a song you know. And so for whatever reason, when you sing out loud in your car, your foot gets heavier and you're driving and you're going fast. And all of a sudden you see the blue and red lights behind you. Shoot. And the cop comes over and he says, sir, I've got you doing 80 and a 50. That's going to be like 300 bucks. And I said, oh, this isn't great. But he says, it's Christmas. I'm going to rip up your ticket. Have a great day. Now, your first instinct is like, whoo, that's awesome. That's great. You know what? That happens so fast, you're going to forget about it tomorrow. That that happens so quickly that you're just, you're just going to pretend like that almost never happened. See, a speeding ticket is supposed to change the way that you drive, in theory. A speeding ticket is supposed to change your future behavior. And so to get rid of it right there in front of you in that moment would have been nice, but it probably wouldn't change us into the future. 
right? And so God's plan was designed for us so that we would feel it, that we would know that what we did, the transition from punishment to redemption needed to be long enough for understand my sin was bad and I couldn't fix it on my own and I needed a savior. God wanted us to know that, that, that we were so incapable of saving ourselves, that we were so incapable of cleansing ourselves, that, that if we were just left to our own devices, this is always going to go badly. We're never going to get it right. He wanted to remind us of our proneness to wander. And so years go by, and it's preparation to get us ready. It's the story of the Old Testament, God's people missing the point Time and time and time and time and time again. God's people thinking we'll just make a new God. God's people thinking we'll save ourselves this time. Over and over and over again. I mean, isn't that the story of the Old Testament? God miraculously rescues his people and they're like, oh, we'll worship a gold cow. God miraculously rescues his people and they're like, well, I won't do that again. And they do. God miraculously rescues his people. They're like, we'd actually prefer a king. God miraculously rescues his people. They're like, we're going to go back to exile now. Like over and over, the story of the Old Testament where we're called stubborn, thick-headed people time and time again. We eventually had to get to a point of humankind for us to kind of slowly start to realize we need someone to fix this. It's not getting better. We don't have what it takes to make this right. And at just the right time, that's when Jesus arrives. That's how God's timing works, isn't it? At just the right time. So from the very first week of creation, we see Jesus, and, and until we see him again, God's preparing. He's getting everyone into the right place at the right time for the right moment. This is what we see in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Paul says, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were like slaves to the basic spiritual principles of the world. We, were just, we couldn't figure it out. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Saying we, we were just kids. We, could, we couldn't get any better. But at the right time, God's plan came to action. At the right time, God showed up. See, God, God always has a, God has never procrastinated. Right? God has never once looked at his calendar and been like, I am so far behind on my prayer list this week. I've got to play catch up. God has never, he's never procrastinated. God, God has never had to wing it. He's never been unprepared for anything to the point where he was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do here. He's, he's just always got a plan, knows what he's doing, knows how to get there. So you can rest assured that whatever is happening in your life that is by God's hand is by design. Whatever God is doing in your life right now, it is part of his plan for you. And he's preparing you for something. He's preparing you for what's next. God is always preparing his people for what's next. In fact, in order for you to, to become who he wants you to be, or in order for you to get to where he wants you to go, you almost always have to go through a time of preparation. When God is growing you and changing you and teaching you, rarely do you get his promise without the preparation. It almost never works like that. Um, we talked about this a little bit last year. We went through a series on David, and we talked about how that the day that he was pronounced king, 
and then a whole bunch of years go by before he ever gets a crown. And that season in between was a season of preparation where he got stuck doing just the most. He was still a shepherd for a while. Uh, He was a food delivery guy. He ran for his life a whole bunch of times. He lived in a cave for quite a while. Like it was just this awful. And he's thinking like, I'm supposed to be the king until eventually the day comes when God says, you're ready. And he gets a crown. See, he wasn't ready when he was a shepherd boy. God had to prepare him for what he had promised him. That's the way it works for all of us. Uh, this, this is all through Scripture. This is what God did with Moses. All right, Moses is a guy who messes up big time, kills a guy, runs for his life, kind of wanders away into the middle of nowhere until one day, after enough time of, of whatever he was doing out there, God shows up in a burning bush and says, you're ready now. I need you to go be my guy. Same thing happens with Joseph. Joseph has a dream one day. says, yeah, you're going to be a ruler. Uh, your brothers are going to bow down. It's going to be great. So Joseph wakes up. He's like, woo, I'm going to rule over all of you. God's like, you need slavery. And that day he gets chucked into a pit, gets thrown in prison. Happens a couple other times. But after faithfulness, patience, and prayer, God looks at him and says, you're ready now. You can lead. I mean, he even does this with Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul has this miraculous salvation moment, struck by lightning, goes blind, and, and God calls him to this huge ministry, and you would think Paul is going to go out there with such massive success, and he gets chucked into jail and beaten, and then back to jail, and he's probably sitting behind bars at, at one point thinking, like, this is not part of the plan. We have no idea what's part of the plan. Only God knows what's part of the plan, but rest assured, he has one for you, and there's a purpose to everything that's happening in your life. And he's building you and growing you to get you to where he wants you to be. And so what we need to do is we need to trust God in our times of preparation. We need to trust and wait and be faithful and know that he's working on this. God promised the world a savior and then waited a whole bunch of years He didn't give us many details or much of a timeline, but at just the right time, God sent his son. And so you might want to make that that line part of your ongoing daily, just at just the right time, he's going to answer this one. At just the right time, he's going to get me through this. At just the right time, he's going to show up. You've got to trust. Some of you might be there now. That might be the season you're living in, a season of preparation where you're not thrilled with how it's going. Maybe it's a little bit difficult. Maybe there's pain in the middle of all of it right now. But, but don't give up hope because the painful things you're doing today might be the things that lead you to the promise he has for you tomorrow. The confusing things he's got you walking through today, the, the, the hardships that you're confused about in this moment, that might be what you have to endure so that you can be who he wants you to be on the other end of things at just the right time. God. And that's it. That's what he does. So we have to trust God even as he prepares us. And as year-round Advent people now, we should all be preparing for the next time he shows up because he's coming again. This is John 14, 3. Notice the same kind of language again. When everything is ready, when the time is just right, Jesus says, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. When everything is ready, my timing is perfect. Just hold on. I've got a plan. If he's not back yet, it's not time yet. 
That's, that's all we need to know. He's still doing prep work. He's still waiting for everything to be aligned just right for the timing to be perfect. And so in the meantime, now we do our preparation work. As we wait for his return, are, are we doing everything we can as we wait for Christ to come back? I mean, he came back once. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we're partying. It's awesome. But we do believe he's coming again. And so he says, be ready. The whole theme kind of runs full circle. We hope and we wait and we expect and we prepare all over again. For when, we don't know. All we know is that it'll be the right time. Matthew 24, 44 says, So you must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. That's how he did it the first time. Everything about Christmas was the least expected. When it happened wasn't expected. That it was a baby wasn't expected. Born to a virgin, no one was seeing that. Now, everything about that first coming was the least expected. So there's no reason to think the second time won't be just like that. But what we can know and what we can do is be ready for it and to be prepared for it, to know him, to follow him. And, and really what our job is now, church, is we're all going to be a little bit like John the Baptist. That's our role now. And it's our job to go out into the world and say, get ready, make a way, the Savior's coming, do you know him? That, that's our job now, to kind of be the forerunners for Jesus' second birth. It's going to be a good day to celebrate, just like Christmas is. But this time there won't be another round. And so we need to make the most of every opportunity, is what the Bible says. Make the most of every opportunity you get to tell people about Jesus and the reason for your hope and the reason for your joy, because these are dark days. So I'm going to assume a lot of you have done a whole bunch of preparation for Christmas, or you're the kind of people that are going to do it in the next seven days. Either way, you're going to do something to get ready for Christmas. You're going to decorate, you're going to make food, you're going to get together with family, you're going to buy presents, you're going to wrap presents, you've got to do all of these things to get ready for kind of the big moment. I would hope that you're doing that in your walk with Jesus on a daily basis knowing that there is another big moment coming, knowing that this is one that shouldn't catch you by surprise, knowing that this isn't one that you want to be blindsided, blindsided by, but you need to be ready. What are you doing? Who are you telling? How are you praying? Where are you going? Because this time here that he's given us until he's back is prep time. He tells us that. He says, I'm coming when the time is just right. It's not right yet. So there's still work to be done. There's still people that need to hear. There's still lives that need to be transformed. My kingdom needs to keep going until I say it's time. That's our job. That's our part. And so we're part of Advent round two. And as we wait, hope, expect, and prepare, I pray that God would use us in incredible ways so when that day does come, we're ready and we get to celebrate again. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for us. Jesus, you're good and we love you. And wow, do we have a lot to thank you for. Thank you for miracles and provision. Thank you for faithfulness. Thank you for being there and seeing your church through so many different things. 
And God, I just pray for us as, as we kind of go live this, this kind of next week before Christmas that we wouldn't lose sight of what it's all about. That we would always be ready and expecting and hoping and preparing. It's going to be a good day. But your work isn't done yet, so help us to go do it through your strength and through your power. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.